Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host for Born to be Breastfed today. We have an interesting show coming up today, and let me tell you just a little bit about it. One of the things that I find is mothers very often will do well with breastfeeding in the beginning or maybe not so much in the beginning, a little after, whatever. They tend to do well when all is well. But what I have found is that they, as well as the people who help them, start to become discouraged when the baby has difficulty latching or might be reluctant to latch. And by the way, I think that those are two slightly different things. I'll try to explain that to you. So today, actually, you've heard me talk about rooting uh, and suckling and swallowing and all of that. You've heard all of that normal stuff before. And if you haven't, trust me, it's in the archive somewhere. But what I'd like to talk with you today to talk with you about today is these other kinds of things that are a little less than a happy situation. It might be just some simple state-like things. And by that, by state, I mean sleep-wake state. So we'll take a look at some of those. We'll also look at the fact that the baby might have preferences. The fact that the mother has a preference, and that would be no pain, no anxiety. And sometimes that doesn't happen in the situation that she's in. And then I'll be talking about some more actual behaviors as related to rooting, suckling, and swallowing. And when I get around to unpack that, I'll be talking about not rooting, rooting but not attaching, attaching but not suckling, and suckling but not sustaining the suckling, the suckling but not swallowing, what many of my colleagues call shallow latch, which is kind of a fancy name for the baby just hasn't opened wide enough, and then also we'll talk about some anatomical deviations. Now, most babies don't have those, but it certainly can happen, and hopefully before we all go home tonight, I'm going to talk about the uh, forceful letdown, which could also be part of this equation. Now, it's always kind of a little difficult to take on these topics because you have to understand I've spent most of my career with newborns in the hospital. So that's when I talk about babies, I tend to think about the newborn baby. Honestly, the baby who is a week or so old, I'm not going to say that they're totally self-service. I would not say that. But I would say that certainly after those first few days, it does become substantially easier. That being said, 
I would readily acknowledge that there are certainly babies who, for one reason or another, didn't really get off to a good start. And then by the time that they are able to have oral feedings or whatever it is, then it might be helpful for you to actually implement some of these kinds of things that I said I would talk about today. So they fall into, I would say, sort of three broad categories. Things as related to state behavior, not only sleep wakefulness, but also state as related to, for instance, being too frustrated. Issues as related to the preference for one side and maternal pain, discomfort, and anxiety. We'll take on all of those, I think, before we go to the first break. Now, let me be real eager to tell you If you think I have a magic bullet, I don't. And if I had a magic bullet, I'd be a a lot higher demand than I am. Uh, However, I would say that a number of these strategies that I'm going to teach you about really do work. Most of them are very simple. And some of them don't necessarily work all by themselves. But if you put a couple of these strategies together, I think that you will find that very often, you can help the baby to get latched on, get going, suck, swallow, everybody is happy. That's kind of what we're looking for today. So I'll start then with the issues about state behavior as related to sleep-wake states. Okay, so you know that in order to talk about that, I've got to talk about just the sleep-wake continuum in general. There are really six different sleep-wake states, and this is enormously important that you understand this because otherwise you really can't recognize it in your baby. So let's start at the sleep end with deep, deep sleep. In those situations, the baby is very I I don't want to say you can't rouse him, that's not true, but certainly he's kind of like in the don't bug me kind of situation. So that is deep sleep. I think you'll know that when you see it. The baby is just pretty much, you know, kind of conked out, don't bother me. The light sleep state is the next stage. And here, if you look very carefully I think you'll find that the baby has these these little like fluttery eyelids is the only thing I can ever describe it as. When the baby has these little fluttery eyeball, eyelids and you can kind of see those little eyes making a little tiny itty bitty movements underneath the lids, that is the light sleep state. The next one is the drowsy alert state. If you've ever seen a baby that is in this, you'll know exactly what I mean. They kind of look at you. They're kind of like, yeah, feed, I don't know, sounds good, but um, no thanks, maybe later. When he has that kind of look on his face, that's probably the drowsy alert state. Ideally, what you'd like to be able to do is feed the baby in the quiet alert state. And that quiet alert state is when the baby is awake and just very quietly looking around. Some people call it the bright eye look. And I would agree with that. They tend to be like, oh, there's a world out there. Maybe I should pay attention. 
The next, and by the way, you really want to get the baby to breast during that period. Do not wait for him to cry. Waiting for him to cry makes all of this all just go downhill, okay? The next state is the active or fussy alert state. And here you'll see the baby starting to make more motions. I often describe it to mothers as baby looks like he's riding a bicycle. Okay, he's got his little legs moving, he's got his arm going around in a circle, and he's kind of like, okay, all right, look at, you know, I'm ready to go here, so speed it up, where's the food? That is the active or fussy alert state. And then finally, the very last alert state is crying. In my experience over many, many years, some parents don't realize that this is the last sign of hunger. And when you try to get the baby to the breast before that, or or, or during that crying state, then you're going to have a whole bunch of these other issues that I'm going to talk about a little later in the show. So it's really important that you understand these sleep-wake states and understand what they mean for your baby. Okay, then. Let me help you to look at what works. Well, first of all, prevention. What what can you do to help that that sleep state, wake state thing to not be inappropriate? And I think there are probably any number of answers that you could give, but often it boils down to one thing, and that is the mother and the baby are separated. When that happens, the mother does not see that the baby is giving off those early hunger cues, or she may not recognize the early hunger cues. But separation can mean a whole bunch of other things, too. It could mean that the baby is in the nursery. It could mean that uh, the baby is out getting his picture taken or he's doing a hearing test or some such thing. That would be another form of separation, any of those things. And here's another one, is that sometimes what happens is the baby is given a pacifier, and that what he does then is he just sucks harder and harder on the pacifier, but he's not getting real food. That usually gets him really, really frustrated. What are some things that don't work? Oh, please. When I was young, I know I often saw people that would flick the bottom of the baby's feet. Don't do not do that. Would you want your feet flicked um, if you were in a sleepy state? No, not at all. So then kind of the opposite end of all of this sleepiness state is the baby who is too frustrated. He's tense or he's crying. What you'll find with babies like that is that typically they will arch their back and they throw out their legs. Now, if they arch the back and throw out their legs, the first thing that I would wonder about is, does the baby need to burp? Because sometimes that's all it is. But it can be other things too. It can be just the baby's just really, really frustrated, really intense, and he's really hungry. That might be related to the fact that it's just been a long time since he had his last feeding. It might be that the mother does not have a full supply of milk yet. And by full supply, I mean full supply, okay? Some kids kind of really like that whole, but it's like, have you ever seen adults when they sit down and they want to see their food on a platter instead of on a smallish little lunch plate, you know? It's the same kind of idea. Some kids kind of want to see the whole platter all at once. 
Um, it could also be that the baby has had some sort of a negative experience with a feeding position that was uncomfortable for him, and that is usually related to some anatomical issue. We'll talk a little bit about that later. So what can you do to fix this baby that is too frustrated, too tense, crying, et cetera, et cetera? And I can tell I'm never going to get through all this before we get to the break, but I'll try to just give you the first few, and then I'll pick it up from there. First, prevention. If the baby and the mother are not separated, the mother is much more likely to be able to key into when that baby is hungry, really key into that sleep-wake state in a way so that it's optimal for the baby. Another way for prevention here is to just fix the hunger at the uh, at the time when it occurs, and sometimes that means facilitating a good letdown reflex. And on the other side of the break, I'll talk a little bit more about how having a good how do we get that that simple just a simple term uh, to fix the letdown. Re- I shouldn't say fix, but to enhance that letdown reflex. Alrighty then, tell you what. I'm going to talk way more about this on the other side of the break. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, your host for Born to be Breastfed. Don't go bad, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me today as I come to you from my office just outside of snowy Washington, D.C., where we've got way too many inches of snow outside of my office. Uh, I have to tell you that Joanna, a wonderful woman who works for me, said, this has been the winter that just won't quit. And (laughs) that really nailed it for me. I was thinking, boy, that is just so true. Uh, I know that they're also having uh, some bad weather in the south. I just came out of doing my review course in Atlanta the other day, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm so Oh, glad I'm back. Of course, I'm actually on the road again tomorrow, but that's another whole story. So before we were, uh, before we took a break, we were looking at some effective strategies for overcoming the problem of the baby who is too frustrated, too tense, and possibly crying. And so I said, prevention is basically the best way to go with this. I would suggest that you try to facilitate a letdown. Sometimes what you'll see, now, of course, that's not going to work in the first couple of days, right? But by about day three or so, using warmth will help with the letdown, relaxation, visualization techniques, any of those kinds of things. Sometimes just using the breathing techniques that you used in labor sometimes will just help you. I will, I will, if I were with you, I would say, okay, now watch me take a deep breath, deep cleansing breath like this, all the way in and all the way as much as you can do it and then blow it all away. There you go. All right. And sometimes that will really, really help a lot. Um, The warmth, I think, helps even if letdown is not an issue. I think that most human beings just respond better to warmth. So anything that might help you with that is certainly worth trying. Now, if I don't say it enough times in today's show, let me emphasize, skin-to-skin contact, skin-to-skin contact, skin-to-skin contact. You cannot breastfeed a newborn baby when you have got on the nightgown, the bra, the baby's got on the blankets and all of that stuff. It is not going to work, and you're not going to be able to help him calm down. It's so important that you understand that there are a number of hormones that are released when you and your baby are skin-to-skin with each other. Sometimes what I will tell mothers to do is to take that hospital nightgown and just, you know, turn it like in the wrong direction so that the opening is in the front and then put the baby on skin to skin, then quick put the nightgown around the baby and around yourself and a, and get a nice warm blanket to go around both of you. And that skin-to-skin contact will often enormously help the very frustrated, very tense, very crying baby. And what's more is, ding, 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 guess what? It will help you too. If I forget to say it, for every single one of these things that I'm going to talk about today, skin-to-skin contact is so enormously important. Now, here's the other thing you can do. You can try to change positions for a baby who is real fussy. It might be going from a cradle hold to a football hold or whatever you want. You can try that. 
I usually say to parents, all right, let's try this. We'll see if it, ha- if it works. If you are familiar with the biological nurturing position, that would be just wonderful. I know I've talked about it on the show before, but biological nurturing is a wonderful way of putting your baby in, I think it's 360 different angles. I never know my geometry well enough there. But then you, you have this little like nest around with your arms and your hands and maybe even with your sheets if needed so that you can kind of have this little nest-like and you're not really holding the baby in any, um, you don't have a tight hold on him. That's what I'm trying to say. And then he can adjust himself. For some babies, this is like magic. It works beautifully. It is the brainchild of Dr. Suzanne Colson who is in, I'm pretty sure, New Zealand. And Dr. Coulson, forgive me if I just got your location wrong, but I know you're on the other side of the world from me. Uh, Here's another one. Soft music. Soft music is just wonderful. I'm thinking of a woman that I had in my office just a while ago, and I did one simple thing. Sorry, two simple things. I got out my iPod. And I put it on my speakers. I have these fabulous Bose speakers in my office. I really don't need them, but they're really nice. And I got on the ocean sounds. And I pulled down the uh, uh, blinds. And I turned out the lights. And what happened? Turn out the lights. Baby starts to relax. Mama starts to relax. I helped her to do a few deep cleansing breaths. Listen to that soft music and whoa, much better. Now, sometimes the babies do well with listening to music, especially if it's music that they might have heard when they were uh, in utero. Sometimes you will do well if you just think about, okay, I'm just going to go with the music. That works real well. Sometimes you can just kind of sing in the baby's ear or kind of just talk really softly in his ear. If you're a a singing kind of a person, I usually find that babies like a little soft lullaby. It could be something just really simple. Um, Certainly rocking babies, I mean, I think people sort of know that. But sometimes if you've got a baby that's real tense, they're reluctant to go to the breast. Sometimes you just got to get them settled down, get them, you know, calm down, and that will help a lot. Warm water on the lips. That is a good thing for if the baby is too tense or in the other direction. Sometimes if the baby is not quite awake. Sometimes when he just becomes a little bit more aware of his oral muscles there. Sometimes that will do well or for an older baby. If he seems really tense, you might want to do a little bit of a bath. And I don't know that I would necessarily bother to do, you know, the whole bath. But you can just take some warm water, and sometimes that will kind of help to settle them down. Anything to break that tension. Now, here is another thing, and this is like one of my favorite things, and it is infant massage. Whether you've already had your baby or if you're still expecting your baby, I would strongly encourage you to take a course or a class, excuse me, on infant massage. 
if you don't have the opportunity to do that or they don't offer those in your area, I would suggest that you go onto the web on YouTube and put in Google the, uh, well, actually, I guess you could put it in the YouTube. Uh, it's the Love Massage for Babies. And I just Googled it just a few minutes ago, and I'm pretty sure I, that's what I put in, was Love Massage for Babies. She does a wonderful job of showing the L and the O and the V and the E. And it's very, very simple. It's very easy to learn. Any parent can do it. And by the way, this is something that Daddy can do. So often, daddies want to be able to do something that is that sweet, lovely, nurturing kind of thing. It's wonderful, wonderful for anybody to do, but certainly if daddies are trying to bond with their babies in a very special way. Now, let me tell you really what does not work. When you have these babies that are really tense, Avoid anything that seems like a forcing behavior. For example, do not stuff the nipple into the baby's mouth. Sometimes I've seen mommies do this, and it just it just makes the baby more tense. You would not want something stuffed into your mouth, right, if you were trying to eat? The other thing that I find is firm pressure against the head. Uh, for years, I've always talked about this as screwing the baby's head on. And by the way, I'm ashamed to say how many times as a young nurse I did that. I would, you know, like take the baby, the back of the baby's head, and I would be kind of pushing it onto the, the breast as though I was screwing the baby's head on or screwing a light bulb into a socket. And, you know, at some point I just realized this is really dumb. And, of course, later I read the literature that said this is really dumb. All right. So what you really want to do is not uh, restrict the baby. I guess maybe that's a word. No forcefulness, no restriction. And certainly no forcing of fingers or artificial nipples or pacifiers or anything else. And that's the other thing. Very often I see the baby trying to spit out the pacifier and the parent or the nurse or somebody is trying to put the pacifier back in. Well, no, 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 no. That is really not a heavy thing. Okay? So latch on assistance that is too frequent or too soon. I know that there are many nurses that are listening to the show right now. I know this because when they come to my course, they say, oh, I heard you talking about it on the radio show. Um, If you're a nurse, I would say resist that temptation to always be, quote, helping the baby or, quote, helping the mother. Because honestly, sometimes your idea of helping is really just you're kind of interrupting things. So I try to be very much hands-off. I will admit that, yes, I, I certainly do, quote, help. And I, but I really have to fight that temptation to fix it. And I would urge you to fix it, to urge that temptation as well, to avoid that temptation. Excuse me. So, mommies, your job here is to recognize that you don't really need to do all that much. It's the baby. It's the baby who knows how to do this, is in charge. He will do it. Don't give up. I promise you it is going to be better. It's, it's, this is a learned art, okay? It's like a dance, but it's not going to happen in 30 seconds or less. Here's another one. I've sometimes seen that 
the mommies will stroke the side of the baby's cheek that is not near the breast. Now, they mean for this to be sweet and affectionate, but actually what happens is that babies naturally will root towards the thing that they feel. And when they do, that's great if it's towards the breast, but if you're stroking the baby on the other side of the cheek, what you may find is that he will then pull away from the breast. And I've seen hundreds of mommies do that. If you're doing it, understand that it may feel sweet and lovely to you, but it may feel very confusing to the baby. And finally, do not try to attach the baby when he's still crying. What happens is his tongue will be elevated and his latch will be very ineffective and he will be very frustrated. Alrighty then. I think that's about all that I have for this segment. And tell you what, do not go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I and you will be right back after we take this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, I, I ended up really by talking about some 
effective as well as some ineffective strategies for those babies who are real frustrated, tense, or crying. So now I'm going to move on to talking a little bit about the preference for one side. First of all, there are a number of babies who do have a strong preference for one side. I've seen this over and over many times with many babies. I don't really, I don't know really why it happens. I don't even know if it's related to the mother being right-handed or left-handed. I'm, I'm really not sure. But in any event, don't be discouraged with that. What I would say is, especially in those first few days, what you'll see is that you, you just kind of want to go with the flow of whatever the baby wants to do to get him to nurse and to feel good about it and you feel good about it. The worst that can happen is that you could end up a little bit lopsided, all right? But that's not the end of the world. I would also say that I generally try to encourage mommies to get the baby onto the breast where he likes better in the beginning because the baby is very hungry and he's really not interested in you know, figuring out how to do something on a side that he doesn't really want to do it on. Now, certainly some babies don't have any preference and that's fine. Um, don't really know why this happens. I suspect also that it might be related to some sort of birth trauma or head or face or shoulder or whatever. But I I think that's really the minority of cases. Your baby might have, and this is in a small percentage of cases, but your, your baby might have a condition called torticollis. And I'm going to talk about that on a show coming up in May. Again, please don't run out and think that your baby does have that because most of them do not. But if you find that any of these things are really persistent, then yes, you do need to seek some professional help. Um, here's another thing of why the baby might have a preference for one side. It really might be because your engorgement is better or worse on one side or the other. It might be that you've got a nipple that is more everted or less everted on one side as opposed to the other. It could be just that you have a different speed of milk flowing. That could be happening as well. So any of those things are possibilities. I do want to caution you that if you have a baby who never takes one side and it it does not resolve, I would urge you to get professional help. That could be a sign of something more ominous. Now, let me talk about what I suppose seems like it's obvious, but sometimes the, the last person that you think about is yourself. And that is, what is your own level of pain, your own level of discomfort or anxiety? It could be any number of things that could put you in the situation you're in. It might be that you had a cesarean and you've still got a lot of pain or you got gas. Sometimes I've seen people that I've taken care of where their gas pain is worse than their incisional pain. It could be having an episiotomy that hurts or hemorrhoids that hurt. It could be just plain old postpartum cramps. And by the way, the more babies that you have, the usually the more intense are the postpartum cramps. It could be that you have an IV that is bothersome or maybe even just awkward. It just bugs you, okay? It might be that you feel exhausted or overwhelmed or you have feelings good or bad about breastfeeding or or just a hormonal reaction. You're just feeling really sort of like not really quite like you normally feel. Any of those things can interfere with your breastfeeding experience. And I would say there are a couple of really simple strategies. First of all, think about taking something for your pain. 
especially if you've had a cesarean, I am sure that your doctor has prescribed something. In all the years that I've been in clinical practice and all the doctors that I've known in hospitals I've been in and so forth, I know with certainty that these doctors know what they're doing when they prescribe a pain medication for a breastfeeding mother. And you should feel confident that if your doctor has prescribed that pain medicine for you, that it's okay to take it with your breastfeeding baby. Again, if your doctor has prescribed that, which I'm sure he has, um, don't try to gut it out, all right? Because it's not a, it's not good for you, it's not good for your baby, it's not good for your breastfeeding experience. Sometimes you can do some simpler things, like, for instance, um, if you've got a lot of soreness on your bottom, sometimes just repositioning yourself or getting a better chair or better support under the chair or whatever. Here's another thing that I think is just enormously important. I talked a few minutes ago about relaxation for a letdown reflex, but the other thing is you really should be able to have some good relaxation right from the beginning. You shouldn't have to be thinking about it just in relation to whether or not you can have a letdown because, of course, in the first couple of days you're not actually going to experience that as a letdown. You'll be in the colostral phase. But uh, there are a number of just plain, simple CDs that are out there. And, you know, I've got some. I've got uh, apps that I've downloaded on my iPhone. I'm thinking, for instance, I really like the oceans. Those really help me a lot if I get... uh, like usually it's what I'm teaching a course, all right, and then I got to go on the lunch hour and kind of settle down a little bit. But there are also some things that are very specific for breastfeeding mothers. Now, at the break, I just went out to the other office of my office suite here, and I grabbed this CD that we have. It's called uh, Breastfeeding a Bond Like No Other, and it's for relaxation and visualization in support of breastfeeding. It's by Angie, I hope I'm saying that right, A-N-G-I. This is one that also helps you with that whole visualization. And for some people, that's enormously useful. So make sure that, because, you know, here's, look at your environment, too. Look at your environment. Sometimes what you'll see is it's kind of wacky, crazy where you are or noisy, especially hospitals. My father used to say, this is not a place where a guy can get any rest. It's too noisy around here. Okay, well, if that's the problem, then try to think about what you might do for that. It might be as simple as taking your headphones, what I call my ears, and put those on. Use them. If that's going to block out the noise, if that helps you, good for you. Go for it. There are also, however, some other... So those were my strategies. There are also some... Issues as related to rooting, sucking, or swallowing behaviors. And I'm thinking of something like, in my business, we call it oral aversion. And what happens is the baby will just come away from the breast or not root. A lot of times what you will see is that this happens after a baby has been intubated. And he's actually had that tube in his mouth. And now when anything comes towards his mouth, he's like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, no thank you. I'm not having anything to do with this. And that's, it's really, really hard to help that baby who has oral aversion for that reason. One of the things that you can try is a lot of hospitals nowadays are doing cup feeding I personally have fed, I don't know how many kids by cup feeding. Uh, I do like it. I do use it. Uh, That might be one option. 
The other thing you can do, again, is try just a little warm water around the baby's lips. See how he does with that. It might be that this is a more serious issue and he needs some sort of professional help. It might be calling the lactation consultant, calling the occupational therapist, or any number of other things or people or whatever. I think it really, it, it, it is difficult when you've got a baby in that situation. There are some consoling techniques, and I didn't talk about consoling techniques earlier, so I will talk about them now, which, by the way, I think I got this original list from my wonderful friend, Debbie Bokar, in Oklahoma City, and Dr. Bokar suggests carrying, rocking, swinging, White noise, ooh, I like white noise a lot. You can turn on a bathroom fan, uh, turn on the vacuum cleaner, anything like that. Of course, nowadays you can download those uh, as an app as well. Holding or nesting the baby, stroking the baby's head with the hair growth, okay, with the hair growth. Uh, Certainly one of the things that you can try with this as well is... um, you can try just reducing the hunger, but if the baby truly has the oral aversion from uh, an ET tube or something, I, I don't know that that's really going to help. You're probably going to need professional help for that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about then is when the baby does not root. And what you'll see is, in fact, that he's kind of lying there and he's either awake or sleepy, or he might even be making mouthing behaviors, but he's really not rooting. Uh, This is rather typical in the baby who's less than 24 hours old, so I don't get too hyped about those, but it certainly could be from something that is more related to, for instance, some drugs that he has been exposed to uh, in utero. It and and by that I mean any kind of drug or substance. Uh, it could be a traumatic delivery and its consequences. Baby might, for instance, have a little uh, what we call hematoma, which is a collection of blood that is right, like sort of underneath the scalp. So a lot of times, what you've got to do in order to fix this problem is you've got to figure out where is the problem coming from. So uh, it could be just that he needs a better to be in a better sleep-wake state. And remember that babies go in and out of sleep fairly frequently. So sometimes you can just try a little bit later and that will be uh, useful. Again, kangaroo care, skin-to-skin contact, whatever you want to call it. I often say that if you put the baby in the kitchen, then he's more likely to eat. So that good skin-to-skin contact strongly encourage um, the biological nurturing postures that I talked about a little earlier, you might need to do some active alerting techniques if it's on that end. And when we come back on the other side of the break, I'll run down the alerting techniques for you. But I think it's really important that you really learn those subtle cues as related to the baby's feeding or feeding need. I think that'll be enormously, enormously helpful for you and may even be key. And then finally, if you have a baby who is rooting but not attaching, again, that could be any number of things going on. It might be something as simple as uh, maybe the baby just had his circumcision a little bit ago and he's still kind of hurting, okay? But it could be something like pacifier use. Really try to look for all of those possibilities. Another one might be uh, distractions. Things like um, 
visual distractions or auditory or tactile or olfactory or gustatory distractions, any of those kinds of things. And your basic strategy to overcome these really depends on the history and kind of what's going on. And a simple one is just reduce the distractions. Okay, then, as usual, I didn't get through everything I needed to, but got to take a break. I'll see you right on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso, host of Born to be Breastfed. I am here winding up the show with you. Wanting to let you know that we are now looking at the baby who is attaching but not suckling. And usually what this looks like is this, that he has his jaws and he kind of clamps on, but then he doesn't move his jaws up and down. Okay, and I want to say, honey, that's good. You got a good start, but you got to like make him go up and down. And that can be because the baby is too hungry. It may be because he's distracted. Um, any of those kinds of things can play uh, into it. Now, for jaw clenching, there is a couple of things that I would suggest you try. First of all, make sure that you offer the breast when the baby is in the most optimal sleep state situation. Get skin-to-skin contact, skin-to-skin contact, skin-to-skin contact. Uh, I knew of a massage therapist who knew a way to massage the baby's jaw in a way that I didn't really quite understand. And I don't know if I would, I wouldn't really dare do it because I don't really know enough to do it. But that might be something that you might, might want to seek if you feel like your baby is doing that quite a lot. Make sure that you're giving proper head support. Don't allow too much head lag 
All right. Usually what I do is I tell parents to put their mothers to put their hand behind the baby's neck. I'm doing this while I'm talking to you. All right. And I say to them to point the fingers towards the ears. The ears don't really have anything to do with it. It's just a good visual. You've probably heard me say that before. And, you know, sometimes and and the opposite, uh, folks, don't use that. As my friend Linda said, iron claw. Don't. And I think that when you point the fingers towards the ears, I think you kind of avoid that. Um, Sometimes it's just not the time to nurse. So in that case, just don't try right that minute. Just wait a couple of minutes. Wait a minute or maybe two minutes. And sometimes what happens is that baby will just settle down a little bit more and it'll be okay. Sometimes you can do a little bit of just playing with the baby's lips a little bit. You just kind of tap on them a little or kind of roll your finger around that roundness of the lips. Sometimes that'll help a little bit. Uh, Sometimes... Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that I've done. These are just really simple things. You kind of got to just watch the baby. All right, so sometimes what happens is they will be suckling, but then they don't sustain it. They kind of go back to sleep or they pull away from the breast or they have some spitting and sputtering or any of that. And there's a number of reasons why that could happen. We really kind of don't have time to go into that today. But I will tell you this. If you are past day three or day four, one of the things that you might find is that you might have what we call an overactive letdown. That is, the milk comes really fast and really hard. I don't know necessarily why that happens in some people or not others. It sometimes is related to an oversupply, but not always. Um, so you can take a look at that. Uh, sometimes the baby really does have an issue that, that the doctor needs to look into, but a lot of times it's more just some simple things. Sometimes, for example, if you've got a lot of engorgement, sometimes the baby just gets a little frustrated. And Actually, you know, honestly, you can just hand express a little bit right into their mouth sometimes, and that will help to loosen up that hardness of the engorged nipple, and sometimes that really helps a lot. Now, sometimes the baby is... Um, suckling and he has a lot of little sucks but then he doesn't actually swallow i'm not going to go into that today because i know that i've done that in the show before but basically the baby has to do what i call change gears he needs to have those little bitty sucks when he starts and then he needs to have the long slow rhythmic sucks and then when he's had those long, slow, rhythmic sucks, then he'll, you'll find, I think, he'll either go to sleep or he'll go back to those little tiny sucks. And that's what I mean by the uh, changing gears. And I'm sorry, I can't remember, but it was quite a while ago when I did that show, but I would suggest that you take a look at that. Okay, shallow latch. This is what I would say I probably see with, uh, uh, oh, yikes, I don't know, maybe 90% of the babies that I've ever seen. Most babies just kind of don't want to fully open wide, and most mothers are so eager to get the baby on that they let the baby go on when he's only got his mouth open like about 90 degrees or so, and that just doesn't work. All right, you've really got to take that extra few seconds, and I usually tell mommies that it takes about an extra 30 seconds in order to just get that baby well, get, get a really good open wide. And when you get that, that big open wide, that will solve a lot of your problems. By the way, sometimes that happens with babies that have had uh, bottles, and so they're kind of used to it. And then 
you know, they kind of don't want to open up a lot. So again, you can try that little trick with kind of tapping on his lips, rolling your finger around his lips, a little bit of warm water just to help him to get used to it. Sometimes that'll do well. Um, the other thing that you can do, because then sometimes they kind of get their tongue out there, and then when they do that, then they, I don't know, they just kind of get it all working. The other thing you can do is uh, look at the Babkin reflex. And if you go to YouTube and you just put into the search Babkin, and I'm saying B-A-B-K-I-N, that works pretty well. Uh, there you'll help that baby to get that nice big open wide which I'm looking for. Now, in some cases, not all that many. And by the way, all it, lately, everybody seems to think that they have a kid who is tongue-tied, and I think that there's a lot of over-diagnosing of that, but that's just me. Uh, I don't think that that's the first thing that you should look for with your baby. I think that's probably one of the last things you should look for. An awful lot of these things are really just very simple things and have some very simple fixes. That being said... If your baby does have a serious problem, certainly, yes, he does need to be evaluated. But try to look for these simple things first. Now, I promised I would give you a rundown of the gentle alerting techniques. And most definitely, this I absolutely got from my wonderful friend, Debbie Bokar, in Oklahoma City. And Dr. Bokar gives this list of gentle alerting techniques. She says, unswaddle the baby always. Try changing his diaper, sometimes putting the baby on another caregiver's shoulder. And I agree with that because then sometimes they're not smelling the milk and then sometimes that's a good thing. Make eye contact with the baby. Talk to the baby. Uh, Do a little bit of light stroking on his torso or on his extremities. Some gentle touching of the lips like I talked about earlier. And sometimes just a little brief wait. Sometimes those things will help. Rooming in, rooming in, skin-to-skin contact will also help with alerting as well as with consoling. Some more active alerting techniques, she points out undressing the baby a little bit more and doing what's called a doll's eye maneuver where you just kind of, oh, you kind of tilt the baby back and forth a little bit. I'd have to show you with my hand. Sometimes that helps them to get a little bit more, uh, I don't know, like alert. And... um, Sometimes just stroking the baby's face or the extremities with just a very, very uh, cool cloth, not cold, but just a little bit cool. Sometimes that'll just help them to uh, come up a little bit more. And then with the consoling techniques, I think I mentioned carrying, rocking, swinging, white noise, any of those things. Uh, oh, I also forgot to mention with the alerting techniques, then you want to stroke the baby's hair against the growth. Consoling, it's with the growth, and alerting, it's stroking the baby's head against the hair growth. I have no idea where all the time goes, but man, I got to tell you, this hour goes so fast. I am wanting to let you know that. Um, That's all the time we have today. Visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. And again, that site for this radio show is borntobebreastfed.com. My professional website is www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. 
I'm Marie Biancuto, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.